And welcome. I'm here with the lovely Jillan Aiden. Hi. Hello. Hello. Welcome, Jillan. Um, you know Jillan from around the community. She plays on teams such as Big Shoes. Big Shoes. Is that yes. your one team that you're on? I'm on Big Shoes, and I'm on Houseboat, the House FCI house team. That's right. And I'm a rotating cast member of High Note. Yeah, the musical. Yeah. Yeah. We took... Um, I mean, I think I first met you just around the community, but I remember formally meeting you when we took Musical One together yeah. back in the day. And uh, the first thing I noticed was how good you were at it, how you're a natural. Um, it's Thank because, you. yeah, it's because like, you, have, you have musical theater background, right? Yeah. I love me some musicals. Did you do like in high school and she did musical oh, theater? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. My mom, uh, I was just, I was singing all over the house constantly. So yeah. if I didn't get into it, then it was going to be bad. So yeah. yeah, I got into it in high school and did some musicals there and then went on, you know, did things in college. And I just, I, musical theater and theater in general are just like my ugh, love of my life. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's cool. Well, there you go. So yeah, you're you're a natural at um, at musical theater. Uh, cool. So, t- where are you from originally? I'm from Arkansas originally, Little Rock, Arkansas. Little Rock. Okay, mm-hmm. is that where Jesse's from? Mm-hmm. Now, did you guys grow up together? Like, what, what's the deal with you two? Because I've seen some <laughs> like pictures of you two from back in the day. Oh, baby faced us. Yeah. 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 We um we met um his best friend and my best friend started dating one another, and uh-huh. that's how we met. And uh, you know, just went out and partied a lot. But yeah, that's what, where we met in Arkansas. So you met you met back in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Like how how old were you two when you met? <sighs> You're not going to ask me how old I am because I've been promised to, <laughs> I've been sworn to secrecy by Jesse Soufan. If I, if I reveal it, I'm in trouble. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I would say probably like 20, 20 years old. 20s? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. And I have no idea how old you are and you look young. So thanks. <laughs> we'll say you're, I don't know. I'm in my 30s. There you go. <laughs> um, so that's funny. So did you, uh, did you like both move to San Diego around the same time? Um, no, he actually, he and I both moved around all over the place. We were yeah. just kind of uh, like, once we both moved away, we both wanted to live in the same place. Mm-hmm. Um, he lived um, in like, kind of like the Boston area for a while. Mm-hmm. And then I moved all over the place I lived in. DC and um, went to live in like outside of New Orleans for a while and Texas and just every couple of, you know, I've got like messages probably from like months and months of like every year where Jesse's like, you coming here? You want to, you want to meet me here? And like, you know, maybe we'd meet up for a holiday in Arkansas or something, but um, San Diego was on the plans for a long time while he was here. Mm -hmm. Like we knew that's where we wanted to live, Mm -hmm. but it just took a lot longer for us than what we planned on, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Now you're here. Yeah. Nice. Living the dream. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. All right. So you're from Little Rock, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. You're uh, one of how many children? Um, I have seven brothers and sisters. Seven? Mm-hmm. 
S-E-V-E-N. <laughs> yeah. I, heard, I heard that right, <laughs> yeah. right? Seven brother. Big family, yeah. Okay. It's Are, a little blended, but I yeah. mean, I, I never really differentiate because um, like my stepbrothers and stepsisters, like my dad and their mom were married longer than like my parents' parents were, you know, like yeah. than my brother and my like parents were. So it's all just like... You know, they're my brothers and yeah, sisters. Yeah, yeah, that's you your know? family. Yeah. I get that. Cool. Uh, so what? what's the breakdown, though? So <clears> like, <throat> tell me the breakdown between um, and the timeline of, like, your stepbrothers and sisters and your biological brothers and sisters and then your parents and their parents. Like, what's the timeline there? Um, my parents were married and had me and then had my brother. Um, I actually was adopted by my dad, but I didn't know it at the time. Okay. Um but um, I had my brother three years after they had me. And then they were married and then I guess got started to get a divorce when I was like 12. Okay. And then my dad remarried within like a year yeah. of that. And I moved in with my dad. And that's when I got all the new brothers and sisters. Because they were already, they're already there. Like six brothers and sisters just there. <laughs> like, here's your other family, you know, that yeah. kind of, but it was, it, I like, it was easy though from the get go. Like yeah. it was very like Brady Bunch, you yeah. know? So his new wife had six children yeah, already. Six kids. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, yeah. cool. And then, so you have one little bro from original mom and dad mm-hmm. and then six new. And then like, what's the breakdown there as far as brothers and sisters? Um, I, it was, uh, two brothers that were added and, uh, and the four sisters. So, wow. yeah. And all younger than you or, um, I was in the middle of that, yeah. like that. It just kind of planted me firmly in the middle. When I got yeah. there, like three of the siblings had already pretty much moved out of the you know house. Yeah. And then it was my older sister, me, my younger sister, and then my younger brother who is about like a year, like there's just a year difference from him and my other brother. So, mm-hmm. So yeah, we were all really close. My younger sister was a year younger than me, and my older sister was a year older. So it was like three teenage girls yeah. in the house at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so bless wow. my dad's heart. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, and then um, and then so you live with your dad. What about your younger brother? Did he? Um, he stayed with my mom for a while. Yeah. I was old enough to make the choice. Yeah. Which, you know, I think. <sighs> teenage girl going through like like when you're that age especially going through like a divorce yeah my mom and i just butted heads like constantly like we were just i i mean i i I was a handful and um she was a wreck you know so it was just not a good combination Mm -hmm. uh and then you know she i'd said i wanted to live with my dad and then uh on the day he was coming to pick me up that's when she told me that i was adopted (laughs) so that was okay. that was a fun <laughs> that you, was a fun day. <laughs> yeah. So did she? Do you think she told you that? Like, or why do you think she told you that on that day? I mean, at the time, I was just like, "You're so selfish," you know. Like yeah. at the time, I was just like, you know, my dad would never have told me because yeah. he adopted me when I was like three, and he would he never had any intention of me knowing. Yeah. And that was, I think, what they had agreed upon. But at that point, you know, like I was just like, God, you know, you're only telling me this because you don't want me to go. Right. Instead of for reasons that would be beneficial to me. Yeah. And now, you know, looking back on it as an adult and as a mom, too, I'm like, okay, she was going through a lot. She was just hurting and like, you know, I I forgave her a long time ago for it. But it did like I didn't talk to her for a while after that, though, because it really, really messed, you know, messed with my self-esteem a lot. I mean, I mean, you're like 13 anyways. 
a 13 year old girl doesn't have very good self-esteem in the first place. So, but you know, uh, we, we got through it though. And she's her and I like really close now. So that's good. Yeah. So that's, that's a lot for a, (laughs) a child to hear. So first your parents are going through a divorce and then your mom drops it on you and, yeah, obviously not the best way to do it. Oh, and yeah. it seems like she's doing it just like, as you said, out of pain. It's great that you've forgiven her now and that, you know, that's like that stuff is sort of, he- you know, healed. And Yeah, and it definitely messed with me for a while, like, uh, for sure. But, you know, now I can, I kind of just see it as just like she was doing the best she could, yeah. you know, but it definitely was like, uh, and the way she led up to it was weird because she like told me, uh, like, there's this story you need to hear. Like, it was this very, like, and I was like, what is she about to tell me? And it was this long, drawn-out story about my mom getting it on with some guy. And I was like, why are you telling me this? Like, I had no idea what she was, like, leading up to. And then she was like, and that's how you were conceived. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, at that point, I don't even think we had ever had, like, a like a birds and bees conversation yeah. ever. And that's what she kind of, I was like, oh, so it really messed me up with understanding like things like sex too for a while, I think, because I was like, this is how I hear like from you about things like this was this, but yeah, she, uh, she's a piece of work. (laughs) I love her. So she told you the story of your biological mom conceiving you? Oh no, my my biological father and her getting together and how that happened. Okay. And, uh, your biological father and your and my mom and your mom yeah okay yeah. okay yeah. so your mom so like your mom gave birth to you mm-hmm. with but it was conceived with, with another guy yeah and then your dad came in the picture and yeah. like adopted you as yeah. his daughter yeah okay i get it interesting <laughs> wow all right so um do you have any like do you know your biological father no um and it's funny because i feel like it's it's one of those things where either people want to know or they just don't, you yeah. know. Like like I listened to Keith talk yeah. about about his his situation mm-hmm. and everything. And my thing was um, because of the way that I found out. Obviously, going to live with my dad then was like I was devastated, you know. And here my dad is with like this new like family, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to move in with him, and I'm just like, do I belong here, you know, mm-hmm. kind of a thing. But um, my dad was so great about just sitting me down and basically saying like, I don't give a crap about any of this like you're my daughter Mm -hmm. and um he always made me feel so secure in things that and he's just always been like my best friend so i didn't have any kind of like hesitation or like you know the way that i saw it was that this other guy didn't didn't want to be involved Mm -hmm. and so why did i care yeah it wasn't until probably later that i started to think about things like um you know like genetic things or like do we have maybe some disorder in the family or, you know, and, and then when my daughter was born and she had all these health issues, they had all these questions for me that I realized I was like, Oh, I don't, I can't really answer these questions, you know? So it wasn't really for any other reason other than maybe like medical Mm -hmm. things that I actually ever kind of looked into it. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's just a ghost. (laughs) Like he's just, he's gone. It got to the point where my mom actually thinks that maybe he told her a fake name, Mm. which I was like, Dang. <laughs> Way to pick a mom. <laughs> I was no. like, and that's why you don't pick up guys outside of a Sonic. <laughs> Is that the story? Yeah. Love it. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, let, so so what's up with your mom? What's, what's her, what's her, I mean, we don't have to go into her whole life story, but 
from the daughter's point of view, and you're an adult now and a, and, uh, and a mother, what do you think is like, what was up with your mom as a younger person? And then as, you know, middle-aged and now, like mm-hmm. what's her progression and like, what's she like? Um, honestly, I feel like she was always kind of a little bit of the black sheep in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in the South and very religious, like yeah. background, like Southern Baptist, and so when my mom got pregnant and wasn't married, you know, that was a that was a whole lot. I think there was a little bit kind of of like a maybe a little bit of a, like a savior type situation with my dad and her, you know, when mm-hmm. he came in and they got married because they're just so very different. Mm-hmm. Like they're very, very different. Um, he's just very like logical and he's like, a you know, he worked in like science and she's like an arts and literature person. And Mm. they're just very like, I don't know the way that they handle things in life are just very different, but I, I'm glad that they were very different because it kind of gave me different perspectives on things. Um, and I'm also very glad that my mom was the black sheep because then I didn't get forced to do as much of the, of the church stuff as, I mean, I still got forced to do a lot of it, but not as much as, you know, maybe some of my relatives. So I, I was just, um, it was a very, uh, strict environment yeah there's a lot of weird things that went on like when i tell people especially people that didn't grow up in the south that they're like what yeah like what What do you mean that they surrounded you in a circle and started like chanting at you and i was like yeah no that was normal you yeah. know <laughs> like yeah but uh i think my mom just i don't know i think um i think that she just had a little bit of growing up to do still and uh I think that she had a lot of things happen to her when she was younger that mm-hmm. she is in the church and with people that she trusted that mm-hmm. she probably should have had therapy for. Yeah. And I think that's true for a lot of people like her age. Yeah. There's a lot of things that got hidden or covered up, things that they probably should have gotten help for that they never did that, you know, our generation is, it's much easier for us to go, oh, we should get some help for this, you yeah. know, but for them, it was like not, it was like a taboo thing. Like you didn't want to say like you needed help or you needed therapy or anything. So, yeah. I mean, she could still benefit from it. I strongly believe that, <laughs> but yeah, it's never too late. Yeah. And no, I, I definitely agree. Yeah. Like, man, generations upon generations of, of pain, trauma, you know, buried abuse. That's just, yeah, it just doesn't, get sorted out and just and, yeah and things get just carried on carried on and then yeah. sort of pass on to the kids and like, right. yeah luckily now it's therapy's becoming more and more um accepted and, and right. out there and uh yeah i think it says it. a lot about me that i'm married to a therapist so Are you? yeah there you go. <laughs> yeah i've got my own my own little at home yeah. therapy right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um how's mom now she's good yeah. i mean uh she just got uh, going through a divorce right now. It's um, she just said she's done with men officially now. She's, so. she's divorcing. So was was this husband number two? Uh, husband number three. Three. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She was uh, married briefly before she married my dad. Yeah. So, um, yeah, husband number three, and then she says she's done. Yeah. He uh, he cheated on her. Oh. So you know, I've been dealing with that for like the past year, just like long distance, which has been really hard because. Like, I want to be there, and I wanted to help her as she was, like, getting her stuff together, trying to move out, you know. Mm-hmm. But I also told her that if I went there, I'd probably get arrested. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, I hate him. <laughs> and I don't hate anybody. I don't. But he is just, he's the worst human. And I, I've always just despised him. But they were together for so long. Like, 
like 15 years or something. Wow. And, and, and he's just, I don't know. Like he cheated on her cause she went out of town to visit my grandma and then he blamed her for it. He's very much like one of those people, like, which I recognize all those signs of, cause I mean, I was in a relationship like that for a very long time. And, uh, he's one of those, I'm going to turn everything around on you and make it your fault kind of manipulators, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And sounds like he needs therapy as well. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Because that's just, yeah, <clears throat> all kinds of buried shit. But oh, yeah. Anyway, we won't go into that. Yeah. Um, okay. So, but uh, she's back in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And, your, and what about your dad? Where's... Um, he lives in Arkansas, too. He's got a, um, my, his dad, my grandfather passed away, and uh, him and my aunts and uncles bought the his lake house that they lived at. And so he's out there fixing it up right now and just yeah. kind of being like a mountain man, which is very, very much just like my dad. That's like on brand. No, like he's nice. he's very like, uh, you know, get out and get his hands dirty kind of a guy. And yeah. um, he uh, like once he once he built a house like a com- bought like like all the equipment and then built it from scratch on this little piece of land just to see if he could. And I mean, like complete with like a rainwater recycling system in it, uh-huh. and just like. He's he's very much just like just give him a little piece of land and him and his dog and he's gonna make something work you know that's cool he's very he's a little old hermit now yeah. he doesn't he doesn't people very much yeah. <laughs> but you know he's he's really good though he's gruff he's rough around the edges but he's like a good person he'd like do anything for anybody before you know give him you know give him the shirt off his back he's very much like that yeah. so he sounds like an amazing man he's really awesome he's got good stories too. Nice. Yeah, All he right. was my little hero growing up. Like, uh, he was attacked by an alligator when I like apparently, like before I was born. And uh, I just I used to take like his little newspaper clippings to school and be like, "This is my dad," you know. <laughs> he they called him the alligator kid, you know. <laughs> like that was like what they called him in the newspapers. And I just thought, oh, I just thought he was so cool because yeah. he wrestled an alligator, you know. Wow. Yeah, that's like some <laughs> old school shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. cool. Okay, so cool. Um, so then, were you like in high school? Did you start? I mean, your you, your dad made you feel like a part. You know, like you're welcome. You're there. You're his daughter. So, how was high school for you? Just in general, were you um, good kid, troublesome kid? I was a good kid. Yeah. I was. I tried to do a little. Da- I dabbled, dabbled in trouble. Yeah, a little dabbling. But honestly, my older sister kind of ruined all of that for me because she was like big time trouble. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like she ran away from home to New Orleans, Dang. or like was gone for like a long time. And there was just, I mean, constant partying and sneaking out and things like that. So I wasn't allowed to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> like it was like I wasn't allowed to even get a job or anything wow. during school because Dad was like, "You focus on school, focus on your studies." Lockdown. Yeah, make sure your grades are good. I mean, he let me go out with my friends and things like that. And like after he, you know, really vetted them like heavily, and I, I would go out with my friends all the time. But um, my main focus was just trying to like make sure I had good grades and do you know? I was really, really involved in like extracurricular activities at school and. So I don't think he worried about me as much, really, once he knew that I wasn't going to be. Plus, every time I tried to do anything wrong, it always, like, the universe immediately, like, smacked me on the head. and was like, nope. Yeah. Like, I tried to sneak out once at night. And, like, this sounds so country, just me explaining this. But I wore my new clothes that I just got for back to school. Uh-huh. And because I was feeling cute. 
and uh, I snuck out. But the only way that I could make sure that my dad didn't see me was to go through the field next door. And I tried to sneak through their fence. And as I was sneaking through and trying to kind of like swing my leg over, the barbed wire on the fence caught my pants. Ended up doing this weird flippy kind of a thing. Uh (laughs) And like completely ruined my pants. Ripped a giant hole in my brand new jeans. Like everything. And it just was like I had to hide the pants, you know, like because we were really I mean, we were poor. I wore like a lot of hand-me-down clothes and things. And I mean, we were, you know, we had a lot of kids. So um, just as soon as they, like I tried to do anything or get away with anything, something like that would happen. So I just kind of stopped trying. Yeah. I was just like, okay, I'm good. Nice. Whatever. <laughs> nice. Okay, so you're a good kid. Um, did your school work? Keep your head down. Graduate high school. Um, college is next, right? Yeah. And then uh, where did you go to school? Um, well, I went to school initially. I got um. I, my dad just said, get into this this state school. This is where you should go. And um, it's where my high school theater teacher had gone, and she really loved the program there. And so I was like, okay. And so I went to just the Arkansas State University. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did have a really great theater department there. And mm-hmm. they were going to give me a like, free ride, basically, with that in my um, like, grades. So I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. So I went and... Um, it didn't end up the way that I thought it was going to. Like it wasn't. It wasn't a good experience for me. I didn't. I didn't enjoy it at all. Why? So, um, I had a. I think I, I felt like I had a lot of friends in high school, and I had a really like. I'm not one of those people that said like, "Oh God, I had the worst high school experience." Like I had a great high school experience. I made really close friends and did a lot of awesome shows. Like I was lucky enough to go to one of the high schools in the South that actually put money into their arts programs instead of their sports programs. So mm-hmm. all the money went to our music and theater department. Mm-hmm. So I I just, I don't know, I had a really great experience. And um, everybody told me, I remember my high school theater teacher even set me aside and was just like, I just want you to understand that when you go to college, it's not going to be like this. Like she was very much like, it, it's not going to be where you're just doing everything in the show and you get to, you know, you, you probably probably going to have to audition for a lot of things before you get it. I kind of hate even telling this cause it makes me feel like an asshole. But, um, but as part of my scholarship requirements, I had to audition for the shows for every show. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, well, this is okay. You yeah. know, I'll, I'll audition for the shows and then maybe I'll do like just tech stuff, you know? Um, and then I got the lead in the first show and, it it just ruined everything. <laughs> like I got um I got firsthand uh experience with what bullying could be and I didn't think I would get that in college, but I got bullied a lot by um people in the department and it sucked. <laughs> I just got um pretty much ran out of there, I think. Uh, there was a lot of other things going on in my life too at the time, but um auditioned for that show and uh it was a great show. It was Bluxy Blues. It was so, so great. Mm. I love that show. But um I just felt really alone and uh, a lot of a gang of real mean girls just mm-hmm. kind of, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't have this. You shouldn't do this. This should have gone to so-and-so, you know, that kind of a thing that I just never experienced before. Yeah. And when you're like 18 and, you know, you're out for the first time, like far away from home and you've never had people be like just 
terrible to you like this. Like I just felt so alone. Yeah. Um, I also, you know, missed my my boyfriend and missed my family and like, you know. Mm-hmm. But then I uh, auditioned for the second show, which um, was a Steve Martin show. It was uh, Picasso with the Lapina Shield. It was such a good show. And I got the freaking lead in it. And it was like seriously the one time that I'd ever auditioned for something and gone, I don't want to get that. Mm-hmm. Please don't let me get it. Like I didn't want it. And yeah. then it just got worse. It got to the point where um, I had uh, girls leaving me mean notes under my door and like just it was not it wasn't what I thought it was going to be at all. Like it was just so shocking to me that people would be that mean, you know? Yeah. So were they bullying you because you were young and getting the part? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. There so was like, like a there's like this? a hierarchy at that school about like seniors and juniors getting roles, I right. guess, for for things at that time. And, and that's the reason that they told me, you know, you don't, you know, it's not going to be like where everybody gets a role and stuff. You're going to have to. And so I was fully ready for that to mm-hmm. not get something. And I was, I was just really like, it sucked. It sucked a lot, yeah. but it kind of with that and a bunch of other things just kind of culminated. And I was just like, I'm done. Yeah. And I left, I bailed. It took me a while to get back to school again. Cause yeah. I got uh, sidetracked after that, but uh, I, I mean, I'm glad that I left. Yeah, man, what a that sucks. What a what a shitty. I, I really sh- surprised me because t- typically I feel like theater people are like some of the friendliest, nicest, right. like just real most open, you know, people. Yeah. I think it was just it was just a one off experience. I think you know. Yeah, he sounds like he's just kind of got unlucky with some really shitty people. Yeah, yeah. It happens. It happens. Okay. So then you leave school and then like go back home? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. And what do you do between um, then and going back to school? Or do you go back to school? Uh, I mean, eventually. It was a yeah. long time though. Um, I went back and I moved in with my uh, crappy boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I was in a real bad relationship from like high school on that um, went on for, you know, much too long. Just uh, really abusive kind of. Mm. Um, you know, physically, mentally, you know, verbally abusive mm. relationship. And I just kind of had like the, you know, like I'd been kind of beaten down, I feel like to such a point at that point where I kind of just felt like I didn't deserve more than that. You know, um, looking back, I mean, just being really young and naive and believing that and he was the person who basically turned everything around on me. Um, he cheated on me cons- just constantly yeah. and uh, always turned it around on me or acted suspicious of things I was doing. It was very controlling. Um, honestly, uh, the only reason that I feel like I even got out of it later on, and, and it's so messed up because I think that this probably happens to a lot of people who are in abusive relationships, but like you don't feel like you you don't feel like you can do better for yourself, but it's when it could potentially affect someone else that you're able to get out. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to get away once, I mean, cause I, I got pregnant with my son and then, um, and then, you know, he's, I said, Hey, I'm pregnant. And he said, Hey, I'm leaving you for this married woman. I've been seeing behind your back, you know, and at this point we living together. Um, I, you know, we've been together for like five years and um, I think that having my son just completely changed my sense of self-worth, where it was yeah. just like, you know, my kid deserves better. And then later on, I was able to go, no way, I deserve better too, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, I had my kid and took off. <laughs> yeah. So let's, 
I want to jump. I want to dive a little deeper into that. Yeah. So, you started dating this the guy in high school. Mm-hmm. Like, we're like, what age? Um, I was seventeen. Seventeen. Mm-hmm. Now, at like at first, like, could you? I mean, obviously, you can't tell he's you know a bad guy, or else you wouldn't yeah. go with him. But was he a bad guy early on, or did he change? Um, he was. Uh, he has a lot of the typical behaviors uh, that. That, that are kind of standard for, I think, like sociopaths, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is just very, very charming, mm-hmm. um, just very endearing, was able to kind of just charm the hell out of an entire room of people, was just always wanted to be the center of attention. And, you know, he was extremely good looking and just very funny and he would do anything for a laugh. And um, he just, I don't know, he kind of just swept me off my feet a little bit in high school because... At that point, you know, I'd had some boyfriends and and things like that in high school, but never had anything that felt like that intense. It was a really intense relationship and it happened really quick and really fast. And he said all the right things. Mm -hmm. So, um, and you know, he was, he met my family. He stayed with my family sometimes. Like at one point he got, um, he didn't have a place to live. You know, he lived with my my family for Mm -hmm. a while. I mean, it wasn't like it was just like a, I don't know. It wasn't fleeting, you know. It was a it was a long term relationship, but um, there were things definitely like that he did while we were together early on in our relationship that were pretty pretty terrible. And I still stayed mm-hmm. because he had this way of making me feel like basically nobody else would want me, kind of a thing, you know. Yeah. And then he also had a way of of still in the in that same vein like making you feel like you were the most important person in the world it's just mm-hmm. very twisted very you know it took me a while to realize just how bad it got you know yeah because when you're in it it's it's a lot harder to see you know yeah of course and you were young you know and not that that's an excuse it sort of is but um i wonder like do you know looking back other than just youth, like what was it about young Jillian that like kept you in that abusive relationship and, or what's something that you might tell somebody that age? Like, you know, what could you have told yourself, your young self back then to make her like not stick around in that abusive relationship? I honestly don't know that there's anything I could have done because it, you know, I have all my best friends who I trusted and loved more than anything that would tell me, you got to stop. I even had some of them stop talking to me yeah. because of it. Um, I just feel like, you know, for me then, I'm sure part of it was, um, part of it was probably a little bit of rebelliousness mm-hmm. finally ki- kicking it in. Mm-hmm. And then part of it was... Um, you know, nobody understands how much like we have like a like love, love, you know, like this kind of belief that you have something special that nobody else has or understands. And then also just um, a sense probably of wanting to be loved and wanting to get attention and wanting to get some sort of, um, I don't know, some sort of validation that's something that set me apart from maybe the rest of the family, something that made me, you know, it was it was a sick place to be in. It really was. Mm-hmm. It's not. It wasn't logical at all. Yeah. But um, you know, a lot of times I I did feel you know, my dad did his best that he could. 
But things fell by the wayside a lot because, you know, when you have that many people in one house and you're kind of just struggling to pay the bills and make sure that things get done, you know, there's just things that get kind of pushed aside, I feel like. And one of those things was probably (laughs) teaching me more about relationships and maybe also looking for signs in my relationship that he probably could have seen Mm -hmm. had he been able to. Yeah. But I think at that point it was just like... Just get the kids to school. Just get the kids to college. Just get the kids a car. This one needs a car now. You know, like that kind of a thing. Yeah. Where it just, he wasn't able to be there 100%. Right. And then, you know, with my mom, she, when she remarried, she moved away. So it was just kind of like, I don't know. I always felt like I was like, well, I'm just, I'm such a grown up now. Look at me. I'm living with my boyfriend. Look at me. I've got a job. Look Mm -hmm. at me. You know, like I felt like I could handle everything on my own. Mm -hmm. And that was, I don't know, really important to me at that time was just feel that feeling of independence, you know, that I didn't have to depend on anybody else to take care of me, you know? Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, So then you have your son um, planned, unplanned, Definitely unplanned. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I actually was in San Diego when I found out I was pregnant. Yeah, it was. Uh, I I came here for a work training, and they were they flew us out here to train for this job, and it was like two weeks here. And oh god, I felt so terrible later because we went to Tijuana and we I just drank so much, <laughs> and then I found out I was pregnant. <laughs> And I was just like, oh, God, the guilt, like the yeah. overwhelming guilt of that. You know, yeah. I didn't know. Right. Um, but then I was just like, <laughs> rethought. About, I thought about that so much during my pregnancy. And <laughs> my doctor kept reassuring me it was fine. But yeah. uh, I felt terrible. Um, but yeah, I uh, found out I was pregnant. And then I came back. And, you know, that wasn't his, uh, that wasn't what he wanted. Sure. So it ended up being uh, the absolute best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. So then he scrams, you have your son. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your son's name, by the way? Gabriel. Gabriel, mm-hmm. nice. Why'd you, why'd you choose Gabriel? Uh, um, well, this is weird and totally random now, but at the time I was a really big horror movie like fan. Uh-huh. And um, I, <laughs> have you ever seen the Prophecy films with Christopher Walken? No, maybe the first one a long time ago. Play, yeah, I, can, I can see the poster in my head. Yeah, I play yeah. the Archangel Gabriel and yeah. like the, you know, it's just, so that was why. I, so I, like, like, I wish that it was something cooler or like I named him after some, you know, family yeah. member or something. But no, it was after Christopher Walken and the Prophecy film. <laughs> and then his middle name was Bruce after Bruce Campbell from Evil Dead and Army of Darkness. Nice. Yeah. Hey, if it has meaning, it has meaning, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know it, it can be that. Um, okay, cool. So then... Take me through um, the next few years. Just so your son's born. Like, what's your life like after that? Um, hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have so much respect for single parents. Yeah. It was. I mean, I would not have been able to do it had my family not helped as much as they did. Yeah. Because I was just young and I was completely unqualified for most things. You know, I did a lot of that job bouncing where it was just like whatever job I can get. You know, whatever's going to put uh, food on the table, whatever's going to make sure that I can pay for his daycare, whatever's going to make sure I pay for his diapers, whatever it is, I was going to do it. So I, I worked some really random jobs in my early 20s. Like I worked for a bail bond agency. I had to carry like weapons with me and stuff. You know, I worked for a car dealership, which was just way worse than the bail bond agency even. Um, What'd you do in the car dealership? Um, I just... 
like I did a, whatever they wanted me to pretty much in filing and like reception and like meeting like with customers and just like things like that. But mostly I got sexually harassed by the salesman. Yeah. Like that was pretty much. That sounds about right. That was pretty much what I did most of the time. <laughs> That's what, uh, my, my current job, I, I spend a lot of time in car dealerships because um, my company makes software for the car dealerships. So mm-hmm. I'm. That's where I do my my work. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that, I don't want to profile like all car salesmen as being like, but it was it was that, like that's the yeah, I was sexually harassed daily there. Yeah, yeah. Um, the and I just kind of put up with it, you know, because it's what I needed to do. But um, I mean, I just worked whatever job I could get for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was a nutrition consultant. I did visual merchandising for a little bit. I worked at a daycare. The daycare was the worst because I got arrested while I was on break. (laughs) I lost my job there because um, they had made an error in the system for a ticket Mm -hmm. that I had paid. Mm -hmm. I had paid it. And it was was something for, I I don't even remember what the ticket was, but because they had it in their system that I hadn't paid it, they suspended my driver's license. So I'm like at work at this daycare. And the reason it was a great job was because Gabe could be there with me, right? Mm -hmm. So Gabe's in the daycare in his class. I'm teaching my class. I go on lunch, go down, grab some food real quick. And as I'm in the parking lot, I get pulled over. And they see that my license is suspended. And so he starts to cuff me. The worst part about this, the guy cuffing me knows me. Mm. He used to date my sister, mm. come over to my house for dinners with my family. He still cuffs me and puts <laughs> me in the back and then asks me, has the audacity to say, how's how's Jamie? <laughs> like, Jeez. ask me how my sister's doing. And I'm just like, I'm telling him, I'm like, I'm at work. My son is there. I'm going. And they didn't even care that it was all like a clerical error. Like, of yeah, course. they figured it out later. Yeah. But my work didn't <clears throat> care that it was all an accident. So I ended up getting fired oh, from that. That was, I mean, it's funny now looking back at it. Like, wow, that was messed up. But, yeah. you know, like, <sighs> yeah, that was fun. <laughs> nice. Okay. So lots of hard works. I mean, lots of. It's tough. You're a single mom. Yeah. You're working random jobs here and there. Um, and then and then what happens? Um, well, I moved around a lot. Yeah. Um, I didn't have too many relationships. I had one um, when my son was very small, and we ended up moving to Washington, D.C. with him because he was going to school. Um, he was going to um, American University there, mm-hmm. and he was – uh, I don't know. Like he, he was doing some grad program there. And um, I thought it, it ended up being like now looking back, of course, I see it as very clearly is that, you know, he really, really loved my kid and he liked me a lot, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we weren't right for one another, but we were really trying to force that because for me at that time, I think what I was doing was trying to have some sort of stability with someone who was very responsible and very much the exact opposite of what I'd been with before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it just it didn't work out. Yeah. So we moved away from there and uh, ended up moving to Louisiana with my mom for a while um, when Gabe was like, I think he was like four. Yeah. So like in 2006, we were in Louisiana and I waited tables and uh, my mom helped to take care of Gabe. And I was just saving up money for like like a car. I didn't even have a car at that point. Mm. Um so there were just, you know, we, we were living in like a pretty much like 
just this crappy little place. And I, I think that, uh, I think that my mom and I grew really close then, but we also, it was not great for us <laughs> too to be that close quarters mm-hmm. in the situation we were in. So it was really challenging. And, um, I don't know, like I just, I got really, really depressed. I just got super depressed. And I I probably had some, like, I would say like postpartum things that I hadn't dealt with, with, um, when Gabe was born too, cause, uh, I had a really difficult pregnancy with him and, um, there were, there were, there weren't anything like wrong with him. Like while, while I was pregnant, he, it was a perfectly like fine pregnancy, but, uh, when I was um, eight months pregnant, my my younger sister, who was also pregnant, it was a weird, crazy coincidence at the time. But like, she got pregnant while I got pregnant, and it was actually <laughs> a really good um, it was a really good bonding experience for us yeah. because we were able to share a lot together and um, really like spend a lot of really good quality time together that we probably otherwise wouldn't have. Being mm-hmm. like, you know, selfish young girls who live in their own lives with their own boyfriends and whatever you know mm-hmm. um uh but when i was eight months pregnant uh like 10 days before christmas she was in a car accident mm. and passed away mm. so i had like uh my last month of pregnancy with gabe was just like under really like heavy like doctor watch and i had bed rest pretty much for the last month and things like that and it was it was hard at my house because i was living with my dad and my mom at that time and uh my stepmom was just she wasn't she was not okay to be around with a with me having a baby yeah um so i ended up kind of get, getting pretty much just locked into a room with my kid most of the time just trying to not step on anybody's toes and not be too like not to invade too much on their space which is not healthy for someone who's just had a baby and yeah. gone through things too but i kind of had to just i feel like i i really had to kind of push through a, a lot of things then yeah. that I probably should have gotten help with and yeah. uh it was just it was a really rough like first year for my for me with Gabe at home uh my best friend committed suicide when Gabe was 10 months old and it I, honestly there was just like that whole period of time where it just feels like when I look at it like now on a timeline I'm going wow how did I how did I do that you know honestly like I, I'm like that seems overwhelming and it really was yeah. but I also know that um it taught me a lot about my coping mechanisms and it also taught me a lot about how to help other people when they are going through things like that Mm -hmm. because it it definitely made it so where i kind of kicked in that high like mom gear where i'm like let's take care of people you know which i know can be to my detriment sometimes Mm -hmm. uh but you know i feel like when i had all that happen i should have gotten help and then that period of time it wasn't really something that people offered either Mm -hmm. um grief counseling not something that people really offered at any point during anything that I, you know, when I was younger and my family went through, uh, which I've seen the benefit of because my husband did it for a few years in San Antonio before we moved. And it's just amazing how much it can help people. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, Oh man, that would have helped my family so much, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, um, I feel like I probably was not in the best headspace when I was in Louisiana with my mom, but I was trying and um, I didn't really have many friends at that point because all the people I worked with were real young and like students and, you know, and I say real young, I was young, but I didn't feel like it. You know, Mm -hmm. I felt much older than them. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So uh, 
I I just kind of, you know, worked and came home. And uh, one of the things that I did when I was at home was um, I uh, talked online a lot. And this was before it was just like it is now. You know, this yeah. is like, this is like, I like, to put things in perspective, I was a beta tester for MySpace. So, nice. like, you know, like, it, it was, it, things were early then. Yeah. Um, but I ended up making some friends online and, um, I had an online writing group that was Mm -hmm. just for anybody from any walk of life that could, that wanted to be, you know, we had poets in there. We had, you know, screenwriters in there, but then we also had just like, you know, the mom who wrote short stories at home or, you know, just, it was a wide spectrum of people, Mm -hmm. but, uh, we got really close and that's pretty much the thing that I think got me like through that entire period was being able to build these relationships through writing that I still have like to this day. I still have some of these people are might have been my friends for like now, I guess like, you know, like 15 years. Wow. So, and that's how I met my husband. On this, there's a writer's group. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What was the uh, platform you're, you're talking or chatting on? It is. It doesn't even exist anymore. It was, uh, and it's so random. It's, um, there was a comedy website Uh that used to exist. That was, I think based out of Chicago and it's years old. It was called, um, liquid generation. It was the name of it. Right. Random comedy website that I randomly went to and they were starting to beta test this new social media thing that they were trying to do. Mm -hmm. They initially tried to do it as they, I think as like a dating thing, but Mm -hmm. it got completely taken over by just like jerks, you know, but like it was fun, you know? So it was basically everybody getting on there and like just, talking about whatever they wanted to. And so yeah. it ended up just not working out the way that they wanted it to. Right. But it was great for us. Yeah. And then they had it where you could create like subgroups and like little sub threads of information. Yeah. And it, it was just so random. So that's how I started the writing group was knowing writers from these main forums. And we started it. And um, Chuck, my husband, his best friend, Ton, is, uh, he's a screenwriter. Yeah. And he was one of the ones that was in the group with me. And he told Chuck, I really think you need to join this group. Mm-hmm. I really think that you'd like uh, you'd like the girl that's 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 running it, Jill. I think I think you'd really dig it. And Chuck was like, you know, I'm I'm not really I'm not really much of a writer for and he was like, No, 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 I think you would. And uh, so he got him in as just a way for him to like socialize because mm-hmm. he was going through like a bad breakup at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was kind of like a broken hearts club, I guess. Everybody was going through like their own personal like breakups yeah. and we talked for a long time on there and we were just friends. It wasn't like I ever planned on doing that at all. Mm-hmm. was not planning on it. <laughs> well, how did it happen? <laughs> um, Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. Which is really strange. But um, we had a meetup we were all supposed to do. We finally all decided we were going to meet in person. Now, were they all like in the South or just everywhere? No, it was everywhere. Yeah. yeah. There were people from California, people from, you know, Missouri and Tennessee, but also people from like Connecticut and, and quite a few of us were in Louisiana at the time. So that's why we decided, Oh, well let's meet up here. Mm -hmm. And it really lined up with, um, Chuck was going to a conference. He was speaking at, um, I think he was speaking, he was either speaking at, um, like a mental health conference or maybe at some AA conference. Cause he, um, used to do those a lot, but, he was supposed to go, and so we all just decided, okay, we'll meet up in New Orleans, and we had these big plans. People had their tickets bought. I mean, we were excited, and uh, that – I don't remember what day it was, but it was just like a like right before um, the storm hit, 
they were like, hey, there's it's going to be a hurricane. And everyone that I worked with was like, hurricane party. <laughs> yeah. Let's bring out the kegs. Like, <laughs> and I had no idea because I'd never lived in a place like that where they had hurricanes before. So I was just like, well, everybody's being pretty chill about this. Like, okay. Yeah. And we really thought that it was, it was just going to be nothing, yeah. you know? Uh, so we um, ended up, even though we had never spoken on the phone, uh, we ended up exchanging numbers because everybody was trying to get some sort of communication about where everybody was and if their flights were canceled and things like that. And so Chuck and I ended up talking on the phone for the first time was because he was letting me know that his flight had been canceled. Mm -hmm. And um, he was very sweet and very concerned about us being there. And I was just like, no, it's fine, you know, because yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea how bad it was about to get. So, yeah. um, and then, you know, after that, we ended up just talking a lot. Like once we, um, once that whole situation was over and we got back, because um, we were, uh, we weren't displaced in the sense of like, you know, we didn't lose our home or anything like that. What we fell victim to was one of the um, rent hiking schemes that mm -hmm. basically occurred throughout, like, the Louisiana area mm -hmm. um, near where the storm damage was, yeah. where all the landlords that felt like <laughs> they could make an extra buck decided, let's hike these rents. And at that time, I mean, there was just no protection for anyone. Yeah. Um, it was very strange. It was just the whole experience now. Like, I don't know, thinking about it now, it just kind of feels very, like, surreal. Yeah. It was real. There's nothing weirder than being, like, in a hurricane, like, and seeing it just go on, like, around you. Yeah. Like, trees floating through the, you know, breeze past you and the weird sounds and just, I mean, everything about it felt like a dream. Yeah. It really did. Uh and then, you know, we had like a really weird aftermath after that where it was scary. It was really, it was a scary situation. There's, you know, no power. I saw, you know, I'd be on my way to work because we were one of the few restaurants that were open in the area. So we were just slammed with people. And, you know, I'd just look over to my right and there's people literally ripping an ATM out of a wall, you know, or trucks passing by me on the freeway that were just filled with you know, people covered in mud head to toe, just yeah. like things that really just are shocking, especially when you're young and you've never seen anything like that. Like it really took a toll on me because um, I just, I never experienced something like that before. Yeah. It really put things in a very harsh perspective. But uh, I, I knew we needed to get out despite the landlord thing anyways, though, because there were... Um, with all the sadness and everything, there was still danger too, and especially for um, young, you know, woman living with like her, her, you know, older mother and by ourselves. And here come these people that are literally like they'll come up to your windows and they're just looking in your windows. They're trying to trying to you know check your doorknobs. They're trying. People are desperate. Like people wanted to get any kind of whatever they could get, you know. And yeah. it was it was it got real scary for a while. Yeah, but uh. We ended up moving out. My dad snuck through the lines because they had uh, closed off pretty much anybody being able to get through yeah. for uh, FEMA and stuff. They had shut everything down. Mm -hmm. And so my dad knew all these back roads to get from Arkansas to Louisiana, like through the top of Louisiana where they had closed off the freeways. And he snuck, he snuck in in the dead of night and came and snuck us out of there so we could 
we could leave. Wow. So, yeah, my hero dad. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that, what what year was Katrina? What year was that? I was in like 2006. 2006? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think, and the, yeah. I mean, it's so funny now where things kind of just blur. I'm like, when was that? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was the, uh, like the fall, in, fall of 2006. Yeah. What a crazy time. I was... I was in college, but then, yeah, I, I moved to Houston um, around 2009 and um, just met so many people. Who just, you probably met a lot of people lot from of people there, from, yeah. Yeah, who were displaced from, mm-hmm. from Katrina. Yeah, Houston got a ton of people. Yeah. And uh, Little Rock got a bunch, too, because I just went back up to Little Rock and we had like suddenly some of the best jazz music ever (laughs) i remember because jesse worked at the jazz club uh and uh it was it we had suddenly just really amazing musicians and they were all from pretty much from from nola so yeah but yeah there's a i mean i tried to look for like silver linings you know it was like hey but look at this music we get now (laughs) you know but uh i mean definitely it it uh it was there's a lot of a lot of rough stuff with that yeah it's insane. Yeah, it's crazy what a hurricane can do, the effect they can have on, I mean, years and years from now, you know, there, there'll be people living in Houston and who had been, whose family had been there for generations. And mm-hmm. it was, it would be because of, you know, because a of hurricane. a hurricane. Like, yeah. Otherwise they would have been growing up in Louisiana. Yeah, That's for just sure. Crazy. Um, okay. So. Where was so you moved back to so you moved back to Arkansas then after Katrina mm-hmm. yeah and then um, you're still talking to Chuck mm-hmm. where's where's he live at that time um, he's in um, Dallas Fort Worth area. okay yeah cool so then how do you finally hook up um, well I, f- I hate to say this but it's because he helped me um, we we ended up we ended up talking on the phone a lot but mm-hmm. it was just like. Oh, this is my good friend now, you know, and he was very concerned about us making sure we got, you know, because we were homeless. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, we we had nowhere to live when my dad came and got me. Um, they had sold the house I grew up in. Mm-hmm. There was nowhere for us to go. Mm-hmm. I had nowhere to go. No backup plan. No, you know, the only money I had saved was for a car that you know, I was just so like, I'm not giving this up, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, like I need to get a car, but thankfully my dad is amazing and he's like a mechanic and he figured me out something, you know, like he was always figuring me out some kind of vehicle to have, but, uh, we ended up staying with friends until we could get, um, you know, I depended a lot when I was younger, a lot on like assistance, like, Mm -hmm. you know, from like state assistance and, you know, I I see the benefit for those programs because I use them when I absolutely needed to, mm-hmm. and then when I didn't need to, I didn't use them anymore. Yeah. So I I definitely would not have survived had it not been for programs like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a job. Uh, I got a job for another car dealership, which is like <laughs> the last place I really wanted to go, but it was the the first place that was like willing to hire me. Mm-hmm. So. I worked for this dealership for probably like, I don't know, like three, four months. And then they gave me a promotion and a raise. Mm -hmm. And I was supposed to be in charge of this big project they had for like getting their filing system in order or something, right? And Mm -hmm. I was so excited. I was able to get off assistance and I was able to um, get a new place that was much better than where we were living. And I got this nice apartment and I was just, ugh. I felt like I was like, finally, like something really good. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm doing well. 
And then I was on my way to work and my boss called me and laid me off on the phone right as I was about to pull in. Um, it totally like ruined me. I was just like, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And the very first person I called because I was upset was Chuck. And he was just like, you're fine. Everything's going to be good. You're okay. You're, you know, I was in a complete panic and he was just so logical about everything. And it was really nice and reassuring to have somebody just be like, you know, you've got this, you're going to get another job. It's going to be fine. And I did. Um, but I mean, he did help me. He helped me like, because I was concerned. I was just like, I'm not going to be able to make rent now. Um, they didn't give me any severance or anything, you mm-hmm. know? So, uh, he, he helped me out and I was just like, Oh God, my buddy Chuck here, he's such a good pal. You know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, I had no interest in him at all. Yeah. Like I just thought he was, I, I just thought he was such a nice dude, you yeah. know, and such a, a good person, but I had no interest at all. I had no interest in anyone. I had not been with anyone for like two years at that point. Mm-hmm. I, at that point I was just like, like, not even considering it, not even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. But um, I got another job and um, ended up being able to kind of just take for, you know take care of things and was really doing pretty well actually for myself for a little bit. And he and I just you know kept talking still. And then he he um, he did something very thoughtful for me for my birthday, um, which kind of just made my best friend go. Hey, what what about him? What I, I feel like you like you like him maybe, mm-hmm. and I didn't even think about it until he was just like, you know, you've been talking about him all night, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, I guess I have. But he did something very thoughtful for me for my birthday, which is remembering something that I had randomly said I liked, like literally like eight months before that, mm-hmm. which no one had ever done something like that for mm-hmm. me before. So that was really. It was cute. Yeah. It was real cute. Yeah. Uh, he gave me a Fall Guy lunchbox. That was, it was, it was a Lee Majors Fall Guy lunchbox. It was like a vintage one yeah. that I had randomly seen in a shop. And it's so random. Like, we still have it, like, at the house. You know, nice. like, I got it sitting up in the kitchen because it's just so freaking cute and yeah. random. But, uh, but yeah, and then he decided, he was like, well, I'm going to come visit you. And that was it. I was done after that. Yeah, so he visited you, and, yep. and you guys yep. smooched. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Our first date was at a Denny's, because it was the only thing that was open. Yeah. Yeah, it was random, but um, yeah, it was good. Nice. He's good. Yeah. He's good. <laughs> so then he visits, you guys are together then mm-hmm. from that point. And yeah, then, we just um, did long distance for a while. Yeah. And then uh, eventually, after many, many like, because I was very, very um, careful with my kid. Mm-hmm. I did not introduce him to my kid for a long time. Mm-hmm. He was very understanding of that. Mm-hmm. And um, then when we finally did, we, you know, just did it a little bit. And with my dad around, I think my dad chaperoned us the first time that he ever met Gabe, mm-hmm. you know, like things like that. And um, he met it, you know, Gabe was like four. So I was just very careful with mm-hmm. this because I didn't want... I don't know. I didn't want to get someone to get attached to my kid or my kid to get attached to someone ever and have it not work out. And I think that I just was like after finally after a while, I was just like, okay, he's he's a good one. You Mm -hmm. know, I had a lot of trust issues before that. But but um, he's he's just amazing. I mean, he he took uh, he took his time. You Mm -hmm. know, he was very like whatever you need, you know. So and then uh, yeah, and then we ended up moving in together and 
he ended up adopting Gabe and, you know, it was good. There you go. <laughs> nice. So, and you guys are um, married now, right? Mm-hmm. Well, when, like, when did you get married? Uh, we got like, oh, what was it? Um, common law married first mm-hmm. for tax purposes. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> and then, uh, and that was like in maybe like, I don't know, like 2008 or something maybe. Mm-hmm. And then we got married, married in 2011. Okay. Um, yeah, we, we just flew away to Costa Rica together and just us and just got married on the beach and, you know, did a little private thing. Nice. It was perfect for us. Yeah. So yeah, it was really good. Very cool. Uh, how many children do you have now? Uh, two. Two. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's why, that's why I thought your son and then your, your little daughter. Yeah. I had a million in 2012. Okay. Nice. And she's just the cutest thing. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's a mess. <laughs> she's such a mess. Yeah. Oh, she's so, she's just so sassy right now. Yeah. Yeah. She's real sassy, but she's so sweet though. Like, uh, Chuck took her this week to go write her letter to Santa. Yeah. And she only asked for one thing, like, first of all, which has never happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but she asked for one thing she asked for a family portrait. Mm. I was like, I don't deserve you. <laughs> like, I, like I instantly just like teared up, which I mean, isn't hard for me because I'll cry over like, I cried over like a Facebook video this morning, you know, like yeah. I, I'll cry, but like, I was just like, Oh my God. Yeah. And she was like, we just need one of the whole family for, for our new house. And oh, I'm like, Oh my God. That's very sweet. So, yeah. She's, uh, she yeah. kills me. <laughs> so she's seven. Mm hmm. And uh, how old is Gabe, Gabriel? He's, he's 17. 17. Yeah, he's going to be 18 uh, yeah, in January. Wow. Oh, that's crazy. I'm, I'm pretty sure I know what your husband looks like, but can he you show me- He looks like Gabe. Can you show me a picture? Yeah. Can you show me a picture of your <laughs> of your family? Yeah. Uh, yeah, everyone pretty much automatically thinks that, I mean, no one has ever really picked up on Gabe being adopted by him yeah. because they look like each other. Nice. It's really, really- really strange and chuck is a a therapist Mm -hmm. like what what kind of therapy does he Um, do he does eap counseling um which is which is like telephonic counseling so he gets to work from home yeah and he kind of tries to set people up he he handles a lot of crisis calls yeah uh which to me just i i would never be able to do that kind of work like i mean he he handles some situations that would just crush me at the mm-hmm. end of the day i would because i'm 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 so empathetic i take on everything yeah. if somebody gives me something i'm like oh god like i feel it you know mm-hmm. but he's just like okay let's find what you need right now mm-hmm. like he's just he was built for for it you know yeah. i mean it's not like he's not compassionate he is but he's just it's very very strange that that he is able to handle some of the situations that he's able to handle without feeling it, you know, yeah. resonating. So, well, this is when Ami's a little bit smaller, but. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Oh. Very cute. Thank you. Is his hair longer? <laughs> Gabe's? Yeah. Uh, no, uh, Chuck's. Oh, yeah. It's longer now a little yeah, bit. That's yeah. That's what I thought. It's like, every time I'll see a picture, I'm like, is that Jillian's husband? His, his hair her? grows super fast, like, too. Is that, is that her, is, that's not her son, is it? It's like, no, is he no, has no. A, he also well, looks Gabe looks super, Gabe looks like super yeah. mature for his age. Yeah. And then Chuck seriously has the babiest face ever. Yeah. 
Because he's, I mean, he's eight years older than me. And he does not look like, I mean, he's, you know, nearing 50 now and yeah. nobody can tell. He's, a, he's like a big kid, though, too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm, I'm like the old lady worry wart, and he's just like the one doing like all the, like, hey, Ami, look at this. Hey, yeah. let's do this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, be careful, be careful, be careful. You know, like right. I'm the one, like, no, no, no. Yeah. So, how is it um, dating or being married to a therapist? I mean, you've had some other relationships with a little bit to compare, but like, <clears throat> is it a good thing, a, a neutral thing? Does he like, um, I mean, does it come in handy or like, does he, does he not ever like, can he turn it off and not be a therapist? You oh know? yeah. Oh right? yeah. I mean, I never use him as a therapist because you never want to like, of course, yeah. you know, have your relationship be like, you know, giving you counseling. Yeah. I think it's just because it's such an innate part of who he is, like the techniques and the things that he's learned to help people that he's. I mean, he's such a natural at it. Mm -hmm. So for me, he's able to do things for me. Like, you know, he's never counseled me. He's never given me therapy. But um, I had severe, like, anxiety um, after my daughter was born. Mm -hmm. And it got, like, I got to a point I actually had a, like, mild, like, agoraphobia. Like, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. leave the house. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a lot, just a really, really difficult pregnancy with Ami. And so he helped me so much with all of that, like to the point where, because I was having panic attacks like regularly. So I think it would have gotten probably even much worse than what it was. Had he not been able to kind of keep a level head with me about things and Mm -hmm. help me get through that really tough time because it was, it was really challenging. So he's definitely been able to help me a lot with stuff like that for sure. Okay. So let's talk about, um, your daughter, Ami. Mm-hmm. Is that her is that her full name? Yeah, well it's Amelia. We Amelia, call her Ami. Ami. Yeah, she's uh she actually Ami was um was my best friend who passed away. So okay. we just yeah, we called her, you know, named her after her. Nice. So, so um you have her mm-hmm. and then so tell me I guess about um you said it was a difficult pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So tell me about that. Um, if you can, no, I can, uh, I, I won't say everything because I know sometimes things can be kind of triggering for people and yeah. it was, it was challenging, but, um, I, I had what they thought was a miscarriage mm-hmm. in the beginning of my pregnancy. And then it turned out that it wasn't, but that I had lost one fetus for sure. Mm. So they were like, well, it was two, but now it's one. Oh, and wow. so it was just, we didn't even know until that happened. And so it was like this weird, like up and down of, oh, good. Oh, what? Oh, no. Okay. But still good because she's still there, you know? Yeah. And, you know, we didn't even have any idea at that time. So it was just a little, it was a little overwhelming at first, but um, they just were like, it's fine. You're fine. Everything looks good. And then uh, I guess I was probably like, I don't know, I want to say like four and a half months pregnant or so. And I went in for just what was like a regular appointment, a checkup. And then busyness started happening around me and things shifted. And I was just like, what's going on? And they were like, you're in labor. But I didn't have any idea. I had no idea. And so they're like, we're going to take you across the street to the hospital now. We're going to try to do this emergency surgery, which Mm. was called a surclage. Um, Basically, what they they were saying was that um, since I'd ar- actually already started labor, they were going to try to basically stop it. And they were going <laughs> to, they're basically going to, going to staple me shut. <laughs> yeah. That was basically what it was. 
Um, now for this surgery, typically they'll know ahead of time. It, it won't be like to the point of you're in labor, you need to have that. They'll go, you're at risk for this. So we're going to do this surgery. So it wasn't an ideal scenario for the surgery because I was already in labor, Yeah, but it was really the only option. Um, and I had to go through the surgery uh, awake and normally they put you under for it too because um, I had, you know, I didn't know. And so I'd eaten that morning and they can't, you know, give you, anest- you know, the anesthesia and stuff. They can't put you under yeah. if you've eaten. So uh, kind of hung me upside down and said, be very, very, very still. Jeez. And then said that, you know, there was a you know big chance that it wouldn't work out and that it could just end right there in that moment. Yeah. And that, you know, was super traumatic because I'm like alone and scared and my husband is like frantically trying to get to the hospital, but they rushed me over so quick. So it was really, I mean, it was really scary and, um, very stressful, but I mean, you know, the surgery went well and then they said, you know, basically you just cannot leave bed unless you have to go to the bathroom and even then try to figure out a way. Like, I mean, they would just basically be like, if you can pee yourself, do it. Yeah. Like it was like very like, don't leave, don't move. Mm-hmm. And I went from being like really super active every day, going on my little, you know, pregnancy friend walks, you know, like doing everything that I could to suddenly like nothing. And, um, Chuck ended up having to do everything around the house and everything for Gabe. And he was working full time and in grad school at that time. So, there was a lot going on. It was very heavy. Um, and then, you know, I kind of, I think I went through a little bit of an experience where I realized um, you kind of feel like you have those like defining moments where you realize who your real friends are. Mm-hmm. You know, that was that was kind of one of them. Yeah. Uh, I had a lot of people just drop off the face of the earth mm-hmm. right then and at a time when I feel like my family really needed help, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I got a little, I got a little, a little down in the dumps for a while, but being on bed rest for a couple of months, just, you know, just stuck by myself. Who most, wouldn't be? Most of the oh day. Oh my gosh. I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't imagine, especially, I mean, I don't know if you're prone to depression. I mean, I have depression. Yeah. So like, yeah, it was definitely to take away just being active and just being bed rest. That would just, God, that yeah, would send me down. It was just me, me and to, my dog. Yeah. <laughs> and so. For, for two months? Uh, it was from like the beginning of August into the very end of October. Yeah. Um, she was due in January. Uh, and then um, Jesse and I, uh, we had a friend who was actually Jesse's like best friend mm-hmm. um, and one of my very dear friends who passed away in October. And I tried really hard not to let it get get me, but it got me, you know, it, it got me real, real hard. And so... I could tell, like, the doctors were just like, you need to stay calm, you need to stay chill. And I was trying so hard to, but, I mean, it just, it didn't matter at that point. It was just like, okay, well, guess what? You're going into early labor, you know? It's just this whole big grouping of things that happened, like, all at once. Like, <laughs> my dog got hit by a car. Mm. You know, my my grandfather passed away. My friend died. And it was just, like, all in this, you know, few weeks of things that were happening. And being already super depressed and by myself most of the time, it, it was just too much. And so I went into labor and I had Ami at, um, oh my gosh, this, it was, uh, I want to say like 27 weeks, I mm. guess, maybe. Yeah, it was like 26 and a half weeks, I think, ish. And the normal pregnancy is how many weeks? Like 
you want to you want to try for like or something. yeah you want to try for 36 to 40 yeah. <laughs> like yeah yeah so she was she was real real early yeah uh and then oh god that feels weird to even say i'm like wow that that must it does feel like it's been a really long time now um but yeah there was you know a big chance that she would make it and mm-hmm. it was just a very very scary delivery and then you know we just did the NICU thing for like a few months after that where you know I'm basically living in the hospital you know getting up in the morning driving to the hospital staying all day long until I couldn't anymore going home sleeping uh it was real rough on Gabe too you know like it was it was just really really hard Mm -hmm. I mean god god bless NICU nurses let me tell you what best humans on the planet what's NICU uh, the for the like new, like the intensive care unit for 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 preemie babies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, neonatal. Yeah. Okay. Well. That... <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I just feel like I've unloaded like all this stuff. Now. Don't apologize. That's what I. I mean, I, that's what I wanted to know. It's yeah, just it's a lot. You've. It seems like you know you've encountered a lot of tragedies like happening around you with your sister dying tragically your friend committing suicide and your is this a different friend um is it um well you know i unfortunately i feel like uh people our age just left and right have a lot of people that they've you know a lot of people have shared in that knowing someone and having friends i had my two best friends from high school both yeah yeah it's just i it's it's why i think like I I feel so I feel so passionate about making sure that people know always like hey you know it cuz it's it's things that you don't see coming most of the time people yeah. always say you don't see that coming yeah and so I feel like doing check-ins uh, is important even when you just feel like maybe just someone's dipped a little bit just like hey what's going on yeah and you know especially knowing the people that I do know that have experience with like you know, like you said, with depression or like anxiety. And, uh, I just, I don't know. I, I, it's changed my perspective on a lot of things, but I also know that, um, you know, I blamed myself for a really long time for not being more present. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's not healthy at all. You just, you can't do that with Mm -hmm. anything like that. You know, you just, just try to live the best that you can in the moment and try to be there when you can for people. But, um, I definitely have felt a lot of guilt for that for a while, though. Yeah. But, you know, just... Uh, and, and then going through depression myself, too, you know, especially with with postpartum and things like that. There are thoughts you have when you're in the thick of it that you feel so ashamed of her having later yeah. on, you know? Like, when I was in my really bad place um, with my postpartum after I had Amelia... Um, I, I mean, it got really, really bad. Yeah. It got to the point where, like, I honestly, you know, I thought that I wasn't going to be around for much longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you feel incredibly guilty when you're finally in those, like, I don't know, more look, more like lucid moments. I don't know, you know, where you're, yeah. where you're like, oh, my God, how could I be like that? How could I be? Yeah. But that's the thing, though. You know, like, people always say, like, oh, it's so selfish. You know, you've got children, you know, all this. They don't you just don't understand until you're actually like deep, deep in it, you know, how bad it can be, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I feel like I can understand. I mean, I will never, I guess I'll never know, but I can, I get it. The brain is, the mind is, um, can be, I've, 
a weird torture device right. or like it's just, it can just do it can be all sorts of things you yeah. know um and you can find yourself in all kinds of places that you never thought you could find yourself right. um i mean and and having people around that help you through it really i mean god it just helps so much because i wouldn't have been able to deal with probably everything that i dealt with had it not been for my husband and some of my best friends you know just making sure that i you know, stayed okay, making sure that they knew I was loved and cared for and, um, you know, just constantly being there, constant vigilance, even when I was absolutely unlovable feeling, you know, when I just felt like I was at my absolute worst, they were still like, okay, we still love you, you know? Yeah. So you got through the postpartum depression? Yeah. Okay. Um, I was going through anxiety attacks and um, having some pretty severe panic, uh, panic attacks for, For a while, um, I, and that probably was like compounded by the fact that I worked from home by myself uh, yeah. for a while too after I had Amelia because that's when I started um, doing voice work, which was really great for me on so many levels because I could work from home and stay you know, home with Ami and just uh, still get to feel like I did creative things, which um, getting into that was the best you know career choice I've ever made, but mm-hmm. it is a lot of alone time. Yeah. And it kind of further compounded the, I feel like the anxiety I was having at that, at that point. So it was probably like even a month before we moved here to San Diego, I had just the most massive panic attack I'd ever had in my life. Mm -hmm. And I'd never, I don't think I've ever, I'd ever really had a true panic attack until that moment. I just thought I had, you know, that Mm -hmm. it was, it was so extreme. I really thought I was, I mean, I thought I was going to die. Yeah. Uh, I was at the hospital and they were having to calm me down. I thought I was, I was just like, what's going on? But this was like right in the middle of us trying to sell our house. And then just all this stuff with moving. And it was just so stressful. I was so stressed out. And it's weird talking about it now because I feel like since then, even though it's only been like, like less than two years, it feels like, like friggin' a lifetime ago. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like it's a completely different person, which, you know, is how I kind of feel about lots of different parts of my life. But for it to be that recent really strikes me as like, oh God, I've come so far since then. Yeah. Because it was, you know, just right before we moved here where I was still struggling a lot with uh, like pretty bad anxiety. This was in, um, where were you living at the time? Uh, We were living in San Antonio. Okay. We lived there for about seven years. Yeah. Okay. So then um, what do you think were the causes of, the anxiety like was it just a lot of stress um would it have something to do with the with the pregnancy and birth i mean was it a like do you ever figure out like what the root cause or um i think a lot of it was probably uh a lot of it was was a little bit i mean i was diagnosed with some ptsd mm-hmm. um a lot of it was was with my actual delivery, which, you know, I won't go into like great, great detail, but that with my surgery combined with it really messed with me pretty bad. Yeah. Um, there was some really, really just very scary and messed up things that happened through that situation that just, I think I was just kind of to a point at that point too, where because so much had built up at that point that I had to just kind of keep it together for, you know, like that, fine everything's good deep breaths you know like 
it just kind of all came to a head where I was just yeah. like too much for one person to yeah. finally, you know. And I think that that really taught me a lot about processing grief and processing problems. And because I think for years before, anytime anything bad would happen, I would just do one of those things where I would just stay super busy, like go into busy mode, which is like an instinctive reaction for me to do. It's just the way that I am. I'm like, okay, so something has happened. We're going to do this. And then I'm the one like, you know, if we're having like a funeral service, I'm calling the caterer, organizing this. I'm just, that's that's what I do. Mm-hmm. It's like my natural go-to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, uh, there were so many things that I probably needed to process from just lots of things that happened in my life that I just never got to a chance to. So I really feel like my anxiety was just a culmination of all of those things that I never got to really appropriately deal with. You know, I didn't get to have that, what I thought was selfish time to process grief or process depression you know like it felt selfish so and i had you know kids to take care of and had bills to pay and i had things to do so i never took care of that part of myself yeah well so that makes sense and i feel like and your your husband's probably more the expert on this but i feel like from what i've heard read and experienced in therapy and stuff it's like when things happen, um, tragedy or grief or like trauma to your body, like mm-hmm. yeah, like if you don't process that stuff, your your body just basically holds on to it, mm-hmm. and it's gonna it's gonna come out one way or the other at some point. Yeah. And your case is like you're gonna have, this is I think it came out as anxiety and panic mm-hmm. attacks, and this stuff just right. this stuff is just compounding in your mind, I in your body. Yeah. I didn't understand it at all because I at that point you know I. I'm a fairly extroverted person. Yeah. I performed for a long time on stage. So you wouldn't think that I would develop like agoraphobia, like a fear of being around people. Yeah. It it was, I thought I just kept going and that made me internalize it even more because I'm like, what's wrong with me? Right. I just kept saying like, what's wrong with me? Something's wrong with me, you know? Um, And you know, my husband, he's, he's very introverted. He's a very introverted person. But me, for me to suddenly be like that, he was just like, you know, he was, he could definitely tell that there was a lot going on. And, you know, we tried, you know, like I got on maybe some antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication, things like that. And, um, you know, it helped a little bit, but I think that the real issue was just, I needed to feel those things. Yeah, I needed to, that I had just kind of not processed for a long time. Yeah, And uh, bless his heart, there was a whole lot of crying for a long time that that man dealt with. But, you know, moving here was a huge, huge step towards me overcoming my anxiety and my, um, and my, you know, panic attacks and my depression. Yeah. It was a big, big, you know, leap for that. Yeah. So. So, I mean, is that... Did you, quote unquote, get over or heal from that stuff? Did it ever like fully get healed? And, and what was it that helped? Was it just actually feeling the stuff and, and just going through all the emotions? Like what um, was it that, that helped your anxiety and, and your agoraphobia and all that I mean, stuff? I think a big piece of it was feeling it finally for the, you know, that was like, like step one, mm-hmm. like, okay, hey, you need to acknowledge that all of this stuff hurt you and messed you up and, and that's you know the way it is so that that was a big piece of it but mm-hmm. um i think the the biggest thing that actually helped me more than anything else was improv yeah 
I mean, it was the first thing that I did when I got here because mm-hmm. uh, it was in the plan. It was what I was going to do. You know, when you're when you do voiceover work, they always say that once you reach a certain step in your career, then you sign up for an improv class. Yep. They always say that, OK, now when you're starting to get into this branch, this is what you should be doing. Well, I knew I'd wanted to sign up for improv classes. Um, you know, I'd done theater for a while in San Antonio, but I didn't really care for the improv that I experience there and so I was just like well you know maybe I'll just hold off and so I kept holding off on it and then Jesse got involved you know here and was just like well just wait until you get here because of course like every now and then Jesse pops up and I was like he coming here you gonna move mm-hmm. here and this, it was just like this thing for a few years where it was just like maybe soon hopefully you mm-hmm. know um, but then things finally lined up with my husband's job and they transferred him here and so it was just like okay well great this is the first thing I'm going to do. And um, even though it was the scariest thing at that time in my life, the absolute most terrifying thing to do, mm-hmm. I jumped in like feet first. And I immediately, before I, I think I, I signed up for like, they put me in level two um, because I had theater and stage experience. And so I got signed up in Vanessa's class, mm-hmm. which was probably like the absolute best place for me to be at that time. Yeah. Oh, I cried so much during Vanessa Antoine's class. Really? I like would come home and cry. It was so cathartic yeah. to have someone be like, and this is okay and this is good and it's okay to feel vulnerable. Oh, like she, I'm gonna cry now just talking about it. Yeah. Oh, I'm such a baby. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, no, she, she really, she like completely changed so much for me. Yeah. God bless her. God, I love her. Um, but yeah, that and then <laughs> I was like such a crazy person. I just decided, hey, I'm going to sign up for this Kevin McDonald workshop, which, which was like, like if you had had maybe like way more confidence than I did at that point and mm-hmm. way less anxiety, we'd been like, oh, cool, really awesome. But for me, it was like, this is terrifying. Mm-hmm. But I just did it because I was like, I'm not going to give up the opportunity to work with this guy from Kids in the Hall. Like, mm-hmm. hello, I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. I did it. Oh, I felt terrible. It was the worst. I didn't enjoy like half of it because I was so anxious the yeah. whole time. But it didn't matter that it was not what like me now would have wished that it had been Mm -hmm. because getting through that and doing it was like oh god i did that you know like Mm -hmm. it was i felt so brave and so like you know it it changed me it was like okay i can do this yeah even though it wasn't exactly what i wanted it was uh it, it was like okay, I still have this in me and I was proud of myself for having pushed myself to kind of jump in feet first like that, you know? And then rediscover again the things that I'd kind of, um, you know, the parts of me that I kind of isolated for a while with just not not being social, not Mm -hmm. being, you know, the social aspect of everything was the biggest. Mm -hmm. You know, making myself have a conversation with someone on day one was so challenging, mm-hmm. which was so weird for me as an extrovert to have that. Mm-hmm. I was just like, you can talk to people. You can do this, yeah. you know, but it was like baby steps, like learning how to, and I think part of it too is trusting, not not just trusting myself to not say something completely like, just to sound like a total spaz to somebody and like, Oh God. But like to also trust other people. Yeah. That was like a big thing for me. Um, was because a lot of times I felt like people had disappointed me um, 
in the past couple of years and not understood my anxiety or not understood where I was coming from. And so I just was so like, I don't know, I was very on edge about trusting people. And so I feel like that was like the biggest gift was being able to go, okay, they're not, they're not just saying they have your back, you know, like it wasn't Mm -hmm. like just something that people said, Mm -hmm. if you could feel it from people, you know, Mm -hmm. in the community. So it helped so much. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Improv is a good thing. Ultimately. (laughs) I find that, um, and yeah, but talking, uh, relating to your Kevin McDonald thing that like, yeah, there's, there's some things that happen because I, I have anxiety issues as well um, that are up and down and, and just really mm-hmm. weird um, because, yeah, like, I mean, I can do improv. I can get on stage. I, I, I don't really feel anxious. Or, but then just certain weird situations around improv that'll make me, like, have an anxiety attack. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is nice to do these things and like sometimes I even know like this is going to make me anxious I know it is and I go and it makes me anxious Mm -hmm. but like having going just doing it anyway yeah it's like I don't know it's like a small step because like well if I can get through that then it's 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 gonna be okay right I can get through more bigger things or you know yeah and 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 for every little thing that's like that you know some of course that was much bigger i think probably just the beginning of things because it was just like i was deep in the throes of hardcore panic attacks so Mm -hmm. that was like much bigger but like even now um or recently like things that i challenge myself to do that put me outside of my comfort zone Mm -hmm. a little bit still have that same feeling of like oh my god and even though i feel like i'm leaps and bounds away from where i was before with um like for example um Stephen Bowers does this erotic fan fiction mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. He asked me to do it. Yeah. My immediate reaction was no. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, I was just like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. But the thing is, is that I really wanted to do it. Yeah. Because it sounded like fun. Mm-hmm. And it sounded, and it was a chance to write. Yeah. And that was like, ugh. And so I, instead of going with my gut of saying just no, I was like, okay. Like, I just said it before I could take it back, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, God, now I got to, you know, now I have to do it. It was the most liberating experience. Yeah. It was it was, it was, was so liberating to be able to get up there and and do, like, crazy weird cartoon voices and say completely offensive things and just, like, put myself out there with this thing that I had written, which mm-hmm. is, you know, it's always the hardest, I feel like, to share something you've written. Yeah. Like, no matter what it is, even if it is, cartoon erotica you know like whatever it is you're writing it always feels very personal very you feel very vulnerable yeah and it was just i remember walking out of that afterwards and this was just you know a few months ago and i was like oh wow like that was good and i just felt like you know like i don't know like i'd leveled up you know like a little bit like i had a little bit percentage higher of being like yes more confidence yeah and i feel like everybody um I don't know. I feel like everybody has moments like that. Even the people that you really feel like have it 100% together all the time, they have moments like that too. Mm-hmm. Everybody does. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just, it's nice to go, you know, like, hey, thanks, Stephen Bowers, for helping yeah. me. You know, like, yeah. like just little things that help you out and you don't even, you don't even realize like how big it's going to feel. But yeah, very cool. Nice. Okay. So it's almost 2020. What are you hoping for in the next year? Um, where are you at now and what are you looking to do and and, mm. and what are you expecting or are you just not expecting anything? 
Um, I'm very much a going with the flow person now, way more so than what I was. Yeah. I felt like I, before I kind of tried to plan everything really meticulously. Yeah. And tried to, I mean, have control over a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, because I, I think I kind of had to be, you know, for, you know, certain periods of my life. But for this, I, I think that I'm going to really focus on the things that give me the most joy because I feel like I've made compromises in the past couple of years doing things because I felt like I maybe had to as opposed to doing them because I wanted to. And so I really want to put a lot more focus, um, especially now that we just moved and I've got my new recording space set up and it is so awesome. Nice. Um, So I'm going to put a lot of focus back into voice work again, which is great because I miss it. And I mean, I just do it so sporadically now, but I'm I'm like, nope, I want to do more. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I want to do things that I, that, you know, I've been, scared off of doing, which is putting myself more into my writing, which has always kind of just sat there on like the back burner of me going, well, maybe later, Mm -hmm. you know, or me, me over editing or overthinking things and making things seem way, you know, more challenging when in reality I could just sit down and write, Mm -hmm. see what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, And like kind of dare myself to do that instead of just going, oh, well, maybe it's not good enough or, you know, whatever it was I used to used to do. Um, so I've been working on something for about like a year and a half now um, that I'm really, really hoping that like I actually get a huge dent, you know, in it like in the next couple of months because I'd really like to to do something with it. And I've been writing a script for a while and I'm really putting a lot of energy into that right now. So I'm, I'm now finding that if I verbalize something, if I say I'm going to do this, like I'm writing a script, then yeah. now it's like, oh, well, now it's out there. So I kind of have to keep doing that, yeah. you know? So I'm, I'm making myself do things like that where I say, okay, I'm going to do this, you know? Um, so I'm writing and I'm doing voice stuff. And I think I see myself really trying to stay more present and focused and more in the moment, not overthinking things too much when, when it comes to over planning. And then just doing tons more improv. Mm-hmm. I want to do some like festivals maybe, mm-hmm. you know, like in the next year. And I want to... Um, you know, I've been, I've been coaching recently and I just really enjoy it so much. And I, I want to teach, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's what I went to school was to teach theater, mm-hmm. you know, that, that was the goal. And then, you know, life kind of came in and put me on like different paths. I went back to school when I lived in San Antonio mm. for theater and, um, you know, and then I just decided at that point that I wasn't enjoying teaching certain elements of theater, the acting I love, mm-hmm. the tech I, um, not so much. <laughs> not your thing. <laughs> Which is funny because now I have to do all this tech stuff with with voiceover that I never realized when I first started it that I would have to do. Yeah. Because nobody ever says, "Hey, you're gonna have to learn how to be an audio engineer," <laughs> you know. Yeah. But but I luckily loved it so much that I just was like, "Well, I can do this," and mm-hmm. so I taught myself how to do it. But um. You know, the teaching aspect of it, though, is something that I just, I feel so like, oh, like it's, it gets me excited. You know, it's what I want to do. Um, when I coached a couple of weeks ago, I just remember like on the way home being like, oh my God, that felt so good. Mm-hmm. I want to do more of that. I want to do that like mm-hmm. all the time, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm excited about doing a lot more of that in the next year. Yeah. 
in in this awesome improv community. Yeah. That I love because it's great. There you go. <laughs> Speaking of improv, who are some of your favorite <laughs> people? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask, and then I, I still am like, oh, it's so hard. Yeah, I know. I know. I know everybody. It's just like, well, I'm not going to. I'm not going to drag it out. I, I will say, uh, first thing, and I don't care if this sounds bad, but I will explain it in that um, for my indie team, Jay Suko, uh, he coaches us sometimes. And one of the things that he said to us is that um, he feels like if you're going to have a successful relationship with your team, you should have a crush on every member of, of your team. As you, you know, you should have a crush on them. Mm-hmm. And I have such a crush on my team. Yeah. Like, I love big shoes. Yeah. I love them. Yeah. They're like my family. So <laughs> I would say definitely like all of them just they're my they're my life crush you yeah. know like i love 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 them yeah um and i've learned something new all the time from them nice. you know uh joe pardinsky is coaching us right now and and we had rehearsal on monday and i was just like oh my god how can you guys make me feel these things still like i'll be sick of each other yet <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we're not i just i love them so much nice. um and then you know i have uh oh my gosh i i i love we don't know what no scrubs <laughs> just so you know yeah i love you guys oh i really do much. uh that's it's you guys are uh like honestly one of like the quickest like just like i don't know you guys have a really good energy and a good rapport with with each other and i really just love watching you guys yeah that's a fun team i like playing with them it's a lot fun. yeah um and then uh oh god this is this is this week especially this is kind of what um <laughs> joe asked me what i thought of this show on uh went to the cornerstone show on, on Sunday mm-hmm. and Joe asked me on Monday what I thought of the show. And I was just like, I just said it scooped my guts out. Cause yeah. it, it NES literally mm-hmm. just, Oh, like I can't even say enough, but every time I watch them though, like I love, love Randy and Sergio. I love watching them perform together. And especially when they, when they hit that sweet spot of like that balance of drama and comedy, mm-hmm. that is just like, and you get that release of, uh, you know, the tension build and mm-hmm. then the laugh. And then the uh, they're just so good at mm-hmm. that. You know, they're mm-hmm. really good at that. So yeah. I would definitely say Randy and Sergio are two of my favorites to watch. Yeah. Um, and then I really, really, really like watching. Um, I mean, I love watching your hussies. Anyways, yeah. I mean, like they're all just so quick with yeah. with. Uh, then you can tell like just that there's that level of connectivity that yeah. they just they're synced up mm-hmm. their brains are one you yeah. know and it's it's so nice to see because those are my favorite teams to watch is where you really feel like they have rehearsed the hell out of it mm-hmm. like they are comfortable with each other they know that they have each other's backs completely and mm-hmm. so those are just like you know my favorite favorite people to watch so and then you know a little, little outside the san diego i love me some i love me some red door yep yep yeah gotta love them gotta love them yeah they're just great great. um robot teammate is another one that i love uh got to do a workshop with them when they came here uh and it was just one of the most fun workshops ever so random too i didn't even realize at the time i did that workshop with diane who's on my team with me now and it wasn't until months later that she said something about singing with me and i was like what are you talking about 
Mm-hmm. And I, I had been in such my own head during that workshop the whole time. Mm-hmm. I didn't even realize I was in it with her the whole, <laughs> the whole workshop. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. We, were, we did that together. Because I just remember thinking, wow, this woman's fantastic. Where'd she come from? Yeah. She's amazing. It was one of her first things she had done here since when she moved here. And I was like, because she's just mm, yeah. brilliant. She's brilliant. Yeah. But yeah, uh, do I have to name more? Because I no. got more. <laughs> You name whoever you want. Those are all uh, wonderful. Yeah, no, I, I just feel like, honestly, um, I love the people. Um, oh, I love Bell Rev, too. Yeah. I do. I just, I love every member of, of them. I love watching them. They're, um, I mean, I'm, you know, coming from a, a theater place, too. I mean, mm-hmm. God, you, you have to. Yeah. You know? Gotta love the Tennessee Williams yeah. stuff. Yeah, so. And being from the South, especially. Yeah. Very. Being from the South. You should, you should. You said you said you're coaching. Are you, uh, you coached? I, yeah, I've coached. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think there was there was a workshop either ha- that's happened already or is happening about um, like that focuses on acting. Um, but you should try to do a workshop about acting since you you know such. Funny you say that. I'm actually working on something right uh, now. Okay. <laughs> I'm not allowed. I'm not a, a hush, hush. Yeah, well, we'll keep it hush, hush. We'll, we'll see. Be we'll on see the, it Be on the lookout. I'll maybe. Be excited. Who knows? Yeah, because um, <laughs> you know, I have no acting experience. I um, I didn't even do theater in high school. I wish I did. It's so funny. I feel like so many people say that to me, and I'm so surprised because it just seems like you guys have done theater. Yeah. I I'm always constantly blown away by the people that say that they've never done theater before. Yeah. Because for me, it seems like. I'm way more impressed with the people who'd never did theater yeah. and their improbabilities than mm. anything else. Cause that's yeah. to me is super impressive. Yeah. Well, so, but yeah, I, I just want, like I've always, I mean, you know, I have no desire to be like an actor, but doing improv, it's like, I would like to do some just straight acting like workshop or some something that would to work on just you know the acting skills because i feel like that goes a long way and when i do hear people or i when i hear from people who say they've done like theater i'm like ah like that's why you're like so good on stage that's why you have this thing that's different like there's there's a little something that's different when they're like so good at like their characters and their stuff it's like I guess when you have that acting background that theater background it, it really those tools help so I miss the drama sometimes, though. I do. I do miss the acting, acting. Yeah. I mean, like, I try, like, I feel like we're we're in this new place now with Big Shoes where we're trying to do more of, like, let's dig deeper. Mm-hmm. Let's let's get to the real, like, nitty gritty stuff. Like, we're, we're in this place where we're trying to really work that out. And I think that, you know, it's, you know, it's surprising to some people. I feel like that improv lends itself so well to doing both drama and comedy but you know if you have that good balance there it's so nice and so I'm, I'm really glad that we're actually delving into that now because that's something that I, I didn't realize I missed so much but you know I, I do acting with voice acting and I do acting with improv but like getting really real and like mm-hmm. being super you know vulnerable mm-hmm. on stage and just being you know that's something that like I oh I mean, I'm a sucker for drama. Like mm-hmm. I am. I am. I'm a sucker for it. I, I was like in, 
I did steel magnolias like before um, before we moved, and I was doing that and then an Arthur Miller play, uh, A View from the Bridge, at the same time, and I was literally just like crying every day on stage. And my husband was like, "Are you doing okay? Are you okay? Like, are you fine?" I mean, aside from the fact that I was doing like a Brooklyn accent at the same time, I was doing a Southern accent in like two different shows. I was yeah. just like, "I'm fine." No, and I was like, I was like, I loved it. And he was yeah. just like, "I don't understand how you can be that." like dramatic every day and cry. Cause like for him, it's like, this is a nightmare. But for me, I was like, Oh yes, give it to me. Mm-hmm. Let me ball my eyes out and scream about my daughter drinking her orange juice. You know, like whatever it was, like I was just, I was so into it. It, it really rejuvenates me. It makes me feel like so like excited. I'm sure it's cathartic. It is. Oh, that's another thing. I'm sure. Oh yeah. You could definitely analyze that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah it's, it's nice to be able to, let all that out. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I I agree and I I um although I don't uh, go to the theater much which I w- I need to do more. Um especially in my 20s, not so much anymore, but I mean, I was such a cinephile. I'd love film. I love mm-hmm. and I l- always had a special place in my heart for drama and just for really moving um movies uh and that's so that's something i appreciate and, and no, so i love a movie i can just like get so wrapped up in yeah. and just like feel like all the emotions from and mm-hmm. you know i can i could watch the same movie and cry yeah. even though i've seen it like so many times and yeah. it always baffles jackie's like how can you watch it <laughs> but i'm like i don't understand how you could watch half a movie and then halfway through realize oh i've already seen this and that's him you know and i'm like yeah. I, I i would memorize the movie oh, <laughs> like, yeah. and then and then you're like oh yeah i watched this once uh, like yeah. but you don't even know <laughs> like, yeah no i just i feel that though i think it's that willful suspension of disbelief though you have to have that and i i think he doesn't have that yeah. so yeah, he he uh, he reads a lot of nonfiction, which I love nonfiction. But I mean, mm-hmm. he he can't read fiction because he can't get into it. Yeah, and I'm like, that always makes me so sad. Mm. Like I just I I tell him I'm like I, I would hate it if I couldn't immerse myself in a book or a movie, you mm-hmm. know. But for him, it's like meh. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't care. <laughs> different shows. It's a balance. Folks, yeah. it, it's a good balance, though. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, we're gonna wrap up. We've gone. An hour and 40 something minutes oh, um it's been wonderful <laughs> the last thing i i want to ask you about um is just um parenthood so i mean something i'm curious about since it's something that might be on the horizon for me and for lots of people i'm sure and yeah um you know and it one of the things or a few of the things that i think about when when having the thought of having children are one, how's it going to affect me? Um, mental health, emotional, you know, emotional wise. Mm -hmm. Now you had suffered from massive anxiety. Yeah. Extreme situations. But, um, and then I think the other thing is just, I I guess, um, what's going to happen for my child. I, I, and I've mentioned before that I kind of view life through this prism of, I guess it's almost pessimistic of a lot of my adult life has been marred by depression. So therefore suffering and pain. And so Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I have this out view this outlook of like, you know, is it fair to bring a child into the world and am I going to enjoy it or is it going to be, so it's, it's one on me of like, what's this going to do to me? 
um, and my quality of life and one on the hypothetical child of like, you know, is it fair to bring this child? And of course I'm assuming that they're going to go, they're going to, it's going to be pain for them. Like, you know, (laughs) um, so speak to your own experience and what you, what is it like being a mother? What is it like having a child? What are the good? What are the bad? And I mean, I'm not asking you to tell me if it's worth it or not. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to no, base the decision it. off just one conversation, but just what's yeah. it, what's it been like for you? Um, I mean, obviously, yeah, yeah. I would never say like tell anybody, well, you should or you should not have yeah. a kid because of this. But from my experience, I will say that they've given me the best life. Mm-hmm. I love my kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, they're they're my best friends, and yeah. they're amazing. Like, uh, like the amount of love and uh, oh, see now, see I made it good the whole time. <laughs> I made it good. I was pretty good, and then now I'm just gonna get all here. I go. You can feel your feelings uh, here. It's okay. uh, I'm feeling my feelings. Yeah. Um, they're just they constantly teach me things, like constantly about um. They're just such good people. Mm-hmm. And it blows me away, like, the way that they teach me lessons all the time. And, you know, my husband would be the first to go, well, we raised them that way. You know, they're learning from you. But, like, honestly, it really makes you – you see things about yourself and you see things about um, the world, like, in a different way. You mm-hmm. know, for for me, I would say I would not in a million years ever feel like I regret having my kids ever. If anything, I feel like they've – taught me a lot more and made me a better person i mean because who knows what would have happened if i if i you know if i didn't have my son when i did Mm -hmm. honestly um uh and you know we i had him young and so there's definitely like that whole like uh you know it's me and mom against the world kind of you know thing and so that's one of the reasons i think we we are so close but but um you know I don't think that if I ever asked them, like, they would never say, man, I wish you hadn't had me, you know? So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, I feel like the world is what you make of it. And despite, you know, all the bad things that could happen, I feel like all the good things outweigh it, especially with when it comes to, to kids and like the love they have to give, you know? Uh, I feel like raising more people that aren't assholes is important too. Yeah. Because sometimes there's a lot of assholes. Yeah. So if you just put your energy into raising some that aren't, then that's nice. It's good for the world. Yeah. It's a good balance. Yeah. My kids can be assholes, but they're not all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love you, kids. <laughs> that was. <laughs> Thank you. That's that's um, that was really good stuff. Thank you so much, Jillian, for being on the show, for opening up, and for sharing all that you share. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Of course. Very much. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.